What are we talking about? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Can't wait! Good morning, good morning, welcome. It is Coffee and Sports. It is the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to join us this morning, however it is that you are joining us, whether it be live on Facebook, live on YouTube, or over on Roku TV as part of Northeast Streaming Sports Productions. We appreciate you making the morning show a part of your morning. As always, I am Chris. Mo has the morning off, but don't worry. He will be back tomorrow. So we look forward to having Mo back on the show right here with us tomorrow morning. But let's get things kicked off here on a Thursday with a little bit of NFL conversation. And we are going to have that conversation with, or about, excuse me, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers, he is in concussion protocol. He is in doubt for the game this week, a very important game, mind you, as the San Francisco 49ers prepare to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals appear to finally be getting healthy. The Bengals appear to have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who is getting right from his calf injury. And the San Francisco 49ers are a team that are on the slide. They've lost two in a row. Now they're playing a pretty good Bengals team. It could potentially be three in a row, and they may have to do it without QB1 in Brock Purdy. Uh, a lot of people are looking at the game last week with the San Francisco, uh, Monday night with the San Francisco 49ers, and they are pinpointing an attempted tush-push situation as to where he potentially got injured, uh, potentially got his bell rang. Again, I will say this before. I, I said this last time when I talked about the tush push, and then there was some pushback on it. This is a situation where if you are the Philadelphia Eagles, you've done nothing wrong. You have created a situation. You've created a play that you are very good at, that you are very successful at, that you are very safe when you run that play. Unfortunately, the NFL is a copycat league, and when one team does something successfully, especially at the rate at which the Eagles are doing it, <clears throat> you're going to have other teams that try to replicate that success, and that is what is happening with the tush push, and we've already seen it before the issue here with Brock Purdy. There were eight different injuries across the NFL related to the tush push. Most of them were on offense. There was a couple on defense. No huge names, no quarterbacks. But this is the risk that teams are running with this play, especially when you are a team that doesn't do it as well as Philadelphia, especially when you are a team that maybe doesn't necessarily know how to do it as well as Philadelphia. And I'm not saying it's anyone's fault. I'm not saying San Francisco shouldn't try to run this play. I'm not saying other teams shouldn't try to run this play. What I'm saying is it's because of situations like this 
that the NFL is going to look at this closer during the offseason, and they're probably going to change something. I, I find it very hard to believe that we roll into next football season and nothing has been addressed about this play. Now, Mo doesn't happen to think they're going to go out and ban it outright. He thinks they're just going to tweak it a little bit as far as what the formation looks like, what the pushing looks like. I think they're going to outright ban it. I think they're going to look at it and say, nope, not worth it. If you want to do a quarterback sneak, that's fine. If you want to run the ball and stack up the running back, that's fine. But we're, we're going to get away from this. That's what my opinion is. Mo thinks they're just going to look at the formation a little bit and tweak that. But either way, we are only seven weeks into the season. We already have nearly double-digit injuries with teams running this play. I get it. It's not the Eagles' fault. And if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm pissed about it. Because I'm like, we found a play that's guaranteed, guaranteed one to two yards every single time. I think they're like a 96% success clip with it. So if I'm an Eagles fan, I am upset about it. Unfortunately... It looks like this is the way it's trending. It looks like this is the way that it's going. And it doesn't help make the situation or doesn't help make the case any better when now starting quarterbacks are getting injured because of this play and because of this move. Again, if I'm the Eagles, I don't want anything to happen to it. Let it. Let it go. Let it ride. But that doesn't appear to be the situation that we're in. And it doesn't appear to be the way that we are moving. But I digress. Let's jump to a happier topic, shall we? Let's talk a little Major League Baseball. JG is about to hop on the show this morning. We are going to have a little World Series preview. We talked yesterday. The World Series is set. It is going to be the Texas Rangers. It is going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. And in my opinion, and I said this yesterday, I think personally... It's going to be a good series. I think that you have two stories individually. If you look at the path that the Rangers took on their way to the World Series, great story. A team that was dominant at stretches during the Major League Baseball regular season. Unfortunately, they kind of collapsed in the last month. They ended up losing the division. And then you looked at when the playoffs started, could the Rangers overcome that? Could they overcome the fact that they didn't win their division? Could they overcome that disappointment? And ultimately, they did. Uh, They found in the playoffs what they had in the regular season, and they were consistent, and they they pulled through. And they did so against a team that many thought was going to be a good series, but they didn't think they were going to be able to top in the Houston Astros. And then you look at the other side of it, and you you can't say enough about what the Arizona Diamondbacks have done on their way to the World Series. They won a series against the Dodgers that no one gave them a puncher's chance to win. Uh, They won another series in Philly that even less people would have said they would have even had a chance to win a game in that series, much less the actual series itself. And now they find themselves in the World Series. And like I said yesterday, and I'll ask JG this in a second, I don't know if they have enough juice left in the tank to finish it off because it took a lot to get to where they are. And sometimes you run out. Sometimes emotions take a toll on you and you don't have enough left to finish the story. But man, if they do, 
what a story that is. But at this time, let's welcome JG to the show. Happy to have him on this morning. JG, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. You got me. There you go. Yeah, I'm doing good right now. I'm doing good. I'm in a little. I'm in a hotel in Cleveland, Mississippi, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably a lot of people didn't even know there was a Cleveland, Mississippi. <laughs> I, I am one of them. I did not know there was a Cleveland, Mississippi. JG, let let let's start with a hypothetical that became an actuality when the Philadelphia Phillies lost to the Arizona uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. We talked about what it would look like as a whole for Phillies fans and their season if that were to happen. And, and it did happen. And I said yesterday, I chalked their season up as a failure. When the expectation is World Series and the expectation is after you beat the Braves that you're going to cakewalk to the World Series and then we'll see what happens once you get there to lose to a team and not just lose to them, but lose to them the way you lost to them. You went up 2-0. You were. It looked like the series was yours, and then you you win the game uh, five. You're up three two. People are like, okay, nice story by Arizona. They won a couple of games at home. There's no way they're gonna win back in Philly, and then they win two in Philly. JG, you have to look at it as a failure, do you not? In a way, because again, you were, you were, you were, this was supposed to be the year. And I said, it was the, the, the message they sent was just the, the year of, uh, you know, revenge to get back to a World Series and be able to win the World Series. So, yeah, in a way, this is a, a failure and a disappointment to that standard they had uh, for 2023. At the same time, I mean, that's why this, that's why you played the game, though. I mean, Arizona's got to, got to do their part. And Arizona did. They, they found a way to go to Philadelphia and win the series and, and advance to the world series. Uh, but in the, in the aspect of what the goal was and what the message was, was being uh, said by the players that this is, this is the year they're going to finish the job and they fell short of going to the world series and let alone, I mean, making it last year and losing is one thing. Didn't make it this year when that was the standard. Yeah. That, in a way that would be disappointment. That would be a disappointment season because of what you brought in, bringing in Trey Turner, you, you got Harper back from the injury. I know you didn't have Hoskins all year, but everything was so lined up with the talent level that you had to to make a run. They did make the run to get into it and, and get to the NLCS, but not being able to finish the job is disappointing because, as I said last, you know, on uh, Tuesday, there's only so much you can play the revenge card. So that, that, that can only be said so, so many times before it kind of falls like, okay, well, that can't, what's the message now? So they're going to have to kind of re, you know regroup and, and figure out a different message for 2024 to get themselves in that in that direction and that mindset to compete and be a World Series contender again in 2024. When you look at a team like Arizona, they're they're in a place and may, maybe they believed it, maybe they thought all along they could be here, but it's been an emotional high for them to do what they've done in the playoffs and to get to the World Series. JG, is there something to be said that that takes a toll on the psyche of a team? And it, they have another challenge ahead of them. They have a team in the Texas Rangers that for stretches of the season, they were not only the best team in the American League, but some were wondering if they could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Atlanta if they met in the World Series. So you're looking at easily the second best team in Major League Baseball at various points this season, and the best team that the American League could have had to offer when all things considered went healthy, 
it's another big challenge for them here in the World Series. The job isn't done if you're Arizona, but is it possible they may just not have enough juice in the tank to keep this story going? I mean, yes and no. Yes, in a way that you've played, it's a long season. You've you've gotten you know, the 162 games. You've played you know, uh, the wild card round, a division series round, and now you're in the, in the championship series round, and now here you are in the World Series. But at the same time, the, the Rangers went through the same thing. So the, it's kind of a moot point on that side, on the physical. The emotional side, it, it can be you, – you can look at it and say that you'd be, you're worn out emotionally because of the series that you were in. But at the same time, you look at it, you look at each other and go, well, we just did it. We got one more to go, and we're on a high right now. We're on an emotional high. I don't, you know, you can be emotionally worn out, but still be on an emotional high, and that's what they're going to ride that 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 adrenaline into the World Series, and they're going to do it for you know four to seven more games. So, in in the aspect of of you know, are they going to be worn out? I think at this point, to uh, more so, they're going to ride that wave as long as the series can get it'll go. And they're gonna they're gonna make it a very competitive series. I think they'll I think they will find a way to make it competitive, and and shock some teams, shock some people to be able to steal some games and, and have the chance to win the World Series. They mean again, they did something that we nobody, including myself, thought they could beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. They did it twice. So you know, are they gonna be afraid to go to Arlington? No, they're not gonna be afraid to go to Arlington and try to steal a game or two out in in, in, in Globe Life. Uh, but the emotional the emotional high wave they're gonna be on. That's going to carry them, and, and will that will it run out? That's to be determined. There's a, there's always that possibility. The emotional wave just runs out, and you you have that fatigue kick in. But I think there's such a young team. That's one part of it that they're going to have. They're going to dig deep and be able to compete in this series more. So I think the experience is what's going to be the question. Is you only have really one guy on that team uh, in the Diamondbacks who has World Series experience, and that's Longoria, Evan Longoria. Whereas you have a couple guys on. Uh, on the Rangers, who have you know, some World Series experience with Scherzer, uh, Seager as well. You have guys who have the postseason experience more so than with the Diamondbacks. I think that's going to be able to be a difference maker but in the experience level. But because it's a young team, they've just shown they're, not, they're, they're fearless. I think you could see Arizona play shocker again and potentially steal this World Series away from Texas. And looking at the other side of it, let's look at it from the Texas Rangers perspective. You have a hot team coming in, but at the same time, if you just look at talent and you look at it on paper, Texas was the second best team in baseball for the majority of the season. If they go out and they play the way that they know they're capable of playing, if you're Texas, you have to like your chances in this series, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because of the offensive production that you have. You have guys that you're you're, you're the, the second best lineup in, uh, or second best offensive production in the uh, in the in the season in the regular season with the Rangers. You've proven how you've been able to hit all all postseason, and you're getting good quality pitching in from Evaldi, from Montgomery. The third, you know, the third pitching, the third pitcher on the rotation is still the question mark for the Rangers, but the bullpens pitch well too at times. So I think you have a lot going for you if you're the Rangers offensively. This is what's this was carried you all year. And it's carried you all all postseason too, so that's going to be the 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 continuing uh, force of the Rangers in uh, in the World Series. Is are they going to be out slug? That's that's for them, and they've done it all postseason out slug teams. And they out as I as I use the phrase, they've out Astro the Astros, and how they were able to jump ahead and, and make teams have to like force themselves to come back. If they can do that to the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks doesn't have the offensive the firepower 
to match with the Rangers. They didn't they didn't go slug for slug with the Phillies. They were able to stay with their approach and plan and be able to jump ahead and be able to just spray the ball around the field. But if the if the Rangers are slugging the ball and they're just hitting it out the ballpark and they're they're just knocking the crap out and putting seven, eight, nine runs like they did against uh, the Astros, it's gonna be a very it's gonna be a very short series for the Diamondbacks. So that offense and what they've been able to do has to carry this team again a little bit longer. Let the pitching staff pitch comfortably with a lead and be able to just say play mistake free from there. But the offensive the offense that the Rangers have been producing. Uh, it has to make them the favorite in the World Series because of just how how much production that you've been getting from Adolis Garcia, how much production you've been getting from Corey Seager. Evan Carter is still doing amazing things as a rookie. You have a lot of uh, you have a lot of firepower in that lineup. That that is the key for the Rangers is to continue the offensive production. We found out yesterday that Bob Melvin, after two disappointing seasons with the San Diego Padres and departing from San Diego, although he's leaving the Padres, John, uh, JG, he's not going that far. He's staying in division. He is simply hopping over to the San Francisco Giants. What do you think the hire of Melvin is going to do in the near future for the Giants heading into next season? I mean, it's going to help them. I mean, Bob Mellon's a good manager. I think he was just throwing a, a, a crap hand in, in San Diego with a lot of issues, a lot of egos, and and having to battle uh, A.J. Preller was a lot of, you know, and that's another ego uh, ego battle he had to go against because Preller was very hands-on and very uh, overzealous in his job and trying to and trying to dictate what Melvin was supposed to do for the uh, with the team. There was, you know, there was a lot of reports by uh, Ken Rosenthal uh, of how those two didn't get along, a lot of question marks between them. And on top of the the leadership or lack thereof in the clubhouse in San Diego, it was a matter of time for Melvin to, to you know, I, I didn't foresee him to stay in San Diego, and and, and they were not you know keen to firing him or relieving him of his duties. They wanted him to stay, but I was not shocked that Melvin chose to go somewhere else and find a a, a – a, a clubhouse or an organization that has shown stability, despite the lack of perform, uh, success in recent years, they they still have a lot of stability. They give they gave Gabe Kapler quite a few opportunities to to turn it around. It didn't work out for Kapler. So the stability of the organization is going to be very key for Melvin. I think that's going to be a breath of fresh air for him, and he's going to be able to at least provide more for them than what Kapler has shown in his career as a manager. Melvin's done it. He's he's been around the game a long time. That's, you know, he will he will enhance that stability more so and continue to and as long as they they got to spend some more money they got to improve the run the roster a few uh, a little bit more I know they tried to do that last year uh, with a few moves of uh, 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 Judge was one of them but it didn't work out him staying in New York so they tried I mean that's one thing I, I, I'll credit the Giants is that they tried to spend money they tried to improve the roster I think they're going to do it again they're going to try to make their moves to help uh, help this team but Melvin as a manager will provide more for this team and this uh, in the organization than what Gabe Kapler was able to do. And that's going to put them in a position where they can compete in 2024 because of the manager's success that they will have out of him. And then last thing, and I, I have to touch on it because there's not a lot of great news lately if you're a Yankee fan, uh, but reports have come out that the Yankees have opened preliminary conversations with the Padres in regards to Juan Soto. Now, don't get too excited, Yankee fans. Terms aren't being discussed. It isn't a guarantee that anything is going to happen. It could simply just be the Yankees called and said, is he potentially available? And then they potentially said he might be. That, that, that could literally be all it is. But the fact is, 
there is some dialogue there, JG, which means if you're a Yankee fan, the next conversation is, what do we need to give up to get him? And that, for me, could be the end of the conversation because <laughs> I saw what – I mean, let's not forget what San Diego gave up to get him in the first place. I can't imagine the Padres are going to dump him for pennies on the dollar, so they're going to be looking for something close to the return that they got, if not more, because let's the kid is 24, 25 years old. He is still young and great. So he may not have done what they thought he was going to do with the Padres. So you might get a little bit less than what they paid for him. But I don't think they're taking a huge haircut here, JG. If I'm looking at the New York Yankees, I, I don't know what they could give up to make the Padres be like, yeah, we're all in, unless the Padres have just decided we're moving on from him. But even if that's the case, I think they're going to have better offers out there than what the Yankees could offer. So I don't really know where the Yankees fall in the, the Juan Soto sweepstakes, except for the fact that, in my opinion, th th they're not going to enough to get them. No, and we've seen the Yankees do stuff like this before where they, they, they put a report. It's a report out that the Yankees are interested in so-and-so. They're interested in this player. They're interested in this star player. And it, it doesn't get, come to fruition. And I think that's what this is as well. I agree with you that the 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 farm system of the Yankees is is I, th I think using the the term bear is an understatement. Uh, they we've seen some of the top prospects, and I know there's you know you have a couple guys who are still who are are still being developed and still being worked on, but they're not top of the top of the farm that you know compared to other organizations and what they have that they're open to trading. And when you saw some of the young kids the Yankees play in the big leagues, they under they underwhelmed and underperformed. And that's not a good sign for you. And that, again, could it be just the bright lights of the Yankee, of Yankee Stadium in the Bronx? Possibly. Again, it's such a tough place to play. It's such a tough place, especially if you're a young kid. It's, it's tough. We see veterans go in the, uh, into the uh, play in the Bronx, and they absolutely cannot handle the bright lights out there in the, in the crowd and the media and all that. So could it be that maybe some of these kids, a change of scenery could help them develop and, and be a, a, a really good ball player? Possibly, but I, if you're the Padres, are you going to bank on that? No, you need something that's actually been uh, that, that something tangible to see, and what you can actually you know show production now and production in the future that that gives you confidence. Especially as you said, you gave up so much to the Nationals to get Soto that you have to get you have to at least get equal value, if not a, you know a little little bit under what you traded but it has to be close to the equal value that you that you gave up to get soto if you don't have that there's no conversation so a, a phone call conversation could be this what would it take for us to give juan soto if, if, if i'm brian cashman what would you call on a uh, uh preller what would it take for me to get soda well it's going to take this 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 and this okay appreciate the time that's the conversation i mean again and you don't have that 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 quality in the farm to make that move and really it, it's 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 really more than just money if you're going to say, well, because, I mean, he's he's on arbitration right now. So he's not like he's on a long-term deal that you're going to tell that if you're the Yankees, say, hey, we're going to pay 85, 90% of that contract. Well, you have to rid yourself of that. It's not like it's Bogarts. It's not like it's uh, 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 Darvish or Machado. It's not like it's those guys where the contracts have already been there. And the Yankees are just saying, we'll cover 85, 90% of it. We'll just rid yourself of the uh, of the contract. We'll take it. And here's some prospects on top of it as a kicker. That's not the case for this situation for Soto. So you, so if you're the if you're the Yankees, what are you offering? 
well, it's a cup of coffee essentially and the in and San Diego can go down the street and get better coffee than what they're gonna get from the Yankees. So I I I think the conversation was just a a conversation to let the you know to to leak into the media so the fans kind of say, Oh, Cashman's trying to get Soto. When it doesn't happen, he he can turn around and go, I tried. But everybody knows there's just nothing there. That's not enough to get the Padres to even budge on a deal for Soto, let alone even say even get themselves interested and doing a deal with the Yankees. No, I completely agree with you. JG, before we get you out of here, we got football tonight. It's the Buffalo Bills. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are three and three. The Bills are four and three. JG, on paper, this should be an easy win for Buffalo. But since Buffalo beat Miami three weeks ago, nothing has been easy for this team. They've lost two out of three. And you could argue that the Giants knew how to run uh, 19 seconds of clock and manage a game situation before the half, they probably would have lost all three of those games. So if you're a Buffalo fan, obviously Buffalo needs to come out and assert themselves early in this game, but they've proven the last three weeks they struggle to do that. JG, do the Bills get on track tonight and beat a team that on paper they should handle pretty easily? Or do you think Baker Mayfield has a chance to get the Bucks to 4-3 to over the Bills? No, I think I think the Bills being embarrassed, and I and I, and I know it was a close game, but they, they were embarrassed by their arrival in New England, and they were which should have been an easy win, but the turmoil that the Patriots have been dealing with, you know, and the question marks of uh, of not only Mac Jones, but you know, for Bill Belichick, is how long is he going to be the coach in New England? And also, they turn around, and they get him an extension, and then what they do? When, what do they do with that? Oh, they go and beat the Buffalo Bills. So I think the embarrassment of the Bills is going to kick in, where there's going to be some, you know, some pissed off. Uh, you know, pissed off guys on that team, and they're going to take it out on the Buccaneers. I, and they have to. They have to show some pride. That's the biggest question. The big, biggest, you know, motivator right now, if you're the Bills, is pride in your performance. And right now, there hasn't. You can't say that has been the case, even despite beating the Giants. There hasn't been a lot of pride in what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. So this is a, in a way, a pride game, a must-win game for self, self-motivation, self-perseverance. Uh, 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 preservation that you have to go out and, and not just win this game, but you got to beat them by you got to beat by ten. Buccaneers, you know, they're they're looking at it and saying, well, hey, we keep playing, we we can win our division. The division's terrible, so you know you're going to have a bo- both sides very motivated. And I think in different aspects where the Buccaneers is like we still control this division, whereas the Bills, knowing that the Dolphins, even though they beat the Dolphins earlier. They have to continue to show that they are one of the top teams, not just in the AFC East, but in the AFC. That was supposed to be their goal. That was this again. It's every year so far we've heard Super Bowl, Super Bowl for the uh, Buffalo Bills that they have the talent to do so, and they do have the talent to do so. But at what point is pride in your performance matters most, and being self motivated to do your job, and that's been the biggest question mark so far. So I think you'll see a Buffalo Bills team that comes out on fire. They have to, first off. And I think even this, even if it's a close win by Buffalo, I'm not happy about that because at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, are we a good football team or are we, are we a contending football team? You can be a good team and still not be a contender. Buffalo has to look in the mirror and see themselves as contenders for a Super Bowl. And if, they, and if they're going to kind of be underperforming like they have done the last three weeks and it continue, if it continues even with a close win and it's a sloppy win, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say that we're not contenders. We're just a good team. And that's unacceptable for the Buffalo Bills as what it's been. It's been that way for years. No, 100%. And 
you know, Buff again, Buffalo's the better team on paper, but I'm not trying to take away from the Bucks. The Bucks have a decent defense. They have pieces on defense and they have pieces on offense too. They have a decent receiving core. So there there's elements to the Bucks that could come out and put up some numbers or do some surprising things against Buffalo. But despite all that, JG, Buffalo overwhelmingly has the more complete team and the more put together team. And this should be uh, uh, a canvas for a dominant Buffalo performance. But we'll see because we could have said the same thing about New England and the New York Giants and maybe not as much the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when you beat the Dolphins the way you did, there were a lot of people that said they're going to roll over Jacksonville like this is this is it. Buffalo's out of the gates now. They're ready to go, and then it just has continued to be a bigger struggle week after week after week. And I agree with you completely. If they win this game 21-20, you're not going to feel much better about Buffalo coming out of this game. Like, this isn't a team you beat 21-20. to They'll take the win. But if they win 21-20, to you're now saying, man, these last four games, Buffalo hasn't gotten it together. And you're still looking for that performance where you're like, oh, okay. This is the Buffalo we saw, you know, the two games after they lost to the Jets where they put it all together and they were just rolling people nearly flawlessly. We haven't seen that since. So we'll see what happens tonight. Oh, absolutely. And and they'll, like you said, 21-20 win. They'll, they'll say the right things. Oh, this is why it's not gymnastics. You don't get graded on the game. But in, the, in that locker room, you're going to have guys that are sitting there looking at each other sideways and being like, what is happening to us? You know, so I, I, you have to have a convincing win. Treat it like it's a, you know, like a college team trying to go and get themselves boosted into the playoffs, where you, you have to have a convincing, so, solid win. That's what Buffalo needs for their self-confidence right now. As you said, again, Tampa is not a – they're not a pushover. Tampa is, is not going to just roll over for Buffalo. That They have qualities to be a really good team and be, and be you know, a, a division winner. I'm not going to say a Super Bowl contender, but a division winner uh, in the NFC South. And they have battled and they played some good games. So this is going to be a, t- a decent test. I won't say tough test for Buffalo, but a decent test to at least say to show us where they are, where where they are in the in the pecking order of the of the contenders. They have to be able to be uh, get a convincing win, which on Thursday nights are very tough as uh, sometimes anyway. But for the the self confidence and the self motivation of being a contender, Buffalo has to have a convincing win. JG. Always a pleasure having you on here on the morning show. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day, sir. I always appreciate it, Chris. Always great having JG on the morning show with us. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that break, we are going to talk a little bit more about Thursday night football. We're going to get to some basketball stuff. We're going to talk about some injuries in the NFL. We're going to talk a little bit of Taylor Swift. That's all happening on the other side of the break. Don't you go anywhere. Keep it right here. It's Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Hey, guys. It's Pavel the Cat. And Evan Rev Runners. And we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. 
Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two and you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys, so make sure you tune in, comment, like, give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys, and it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So, as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back to Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Thank you for making us, us being myself and Mo, Mo has the morning off, but thank you for making us part of your morning routine. We truly do appreciate it. Shout out to everyone who has been in the chat this morning. Shout out to everyone who is over on Roku TV, Northeast Streaming Sports. Happy to have you here. Shout out to our audiences on YouTube and Facebook. Happy to have you here as well. If you are a fan of the Cleveland Browns, you may not be that happy this morning because you've, or maybe you will. I don't know. I don't know. Because Deshaun Watson is going to miss another week of football. And again, this kind of depends on where you fall in this whole Deshaun Watson perspective. But the Cleveland Browns are four and two. And let's be honest, their defense has been a big reason as to why they are four and two, and they are in the thick of not only competing for a wild card spot in the NFL right now, but they are in the midst of competing for their division. This is a very, very competitive division in the AFC North. The Ravens are five and two, the Steelers and the Browns are four and two, and the Bengals, who many feel are starting to take shape, who are starting to round out a little bit. They're sitting at three and three. So you're looking at a division where everyone is 500 or above. You're looking at a division where everyone has won two games in a row coming into this week. And if you're the Cleveland Browns, you're looking at a team where your defense is now being talked about after six games in that discussion of being an elite defense in the league this season. And they have the numbers to back that up. Unfortunately, one of the things that is hurting the Cleveland Browns right now is their quarterback situation. Deshaun Watson has played average when he has been in there. However, he hasn't been in there consistently because he's been dealing with some injuries. P.J. Walker has played well in the backup role. The team is 4-2. The team is in a good spot right now through six games. And Walker is going to be starting again this week with Deshaun Watson still nursing a shoulder injury. We don't know how long the shoulder injury is going to keep Watson on the shelf. But if you're the Cleveland Browns, there's going to come a point, especially in this division, where you're going to need to get more consistency from the quarterback position. A great defense that Cleveland has, that's fantastic. But we've also seen weeks where a great defense isn't always great. And if you're Cleveland, you won that game. You won that game uh, the, other, the other week when your defense wasn't that great and your defense gave up a bunch of points and your offense was able to pull it out. But you're, as you continue through the season and as you're playing these meaningful division games, against equal or slightly better quality opponents, 
you're going to need more consistency from the quarterback position. And that is where I struggle a little bit with Cleveland. If you look at that division, if this thing with Deshaun Watson, whether it be the injury or whether it just be his overall performance, if it doesn't get better and it doesn't get more consistent, you have at best the third best quarterback in your division because your situation is not better than Joe Burrow and your situation is not better than Lamar Jackson. And right now, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the division. I think Joe Burrow will retake that in a few weeks. But right now, Lamar is playing great football. So he is the best quarterback in that division. Joe Burrow, I would argue, is the second best quarterback in that division as he has come back from his calf injury. And he has been playing a lot better football. And then you look at the quarterback situations of the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Browns have the third best situation right now, but it's not that much better than Pittsburgh. And if this is a situation where Deshaun is down for a long time or Deshaun continues being inconsistent and playing up and down, you could easily argue that Pittsburgh might be a step above if they can figure out their offensive situation. So Cleveland fans, embrace P.J. Walker. Let's see if we can get another win with P.J. Walker. But you have to know in the back of your minds, this is not sustainable. You have a good defense, but in the division that you play in, in the competitive nature of the conference that you play in in the AFC, this quarterback situation needs to get better if you are going to make a run for the playoffs or if you are going to make any noise in the playoffs. So hopefully Deshaun Watson gets healthier and he gets a little more consistent and then we can kind of see what the full capabilities of this Cleveland Browns team is as we continue to push through the NFL season. Rob Gronkowski, a great NFL tight end, he made some noise this week because he went on a talk show and basically said that NFL fans are tired of seeing Taylor Swift celebrate touchdowns during Kansas City Chiefs games And they want to see the players celebrate their success. And they want to see less of Taylor Swift. And Gronk, you might be right. On the surface of those comments, I I am pretty confident that there are a good chunk of NFL fans out there who are not Kansas City Chiefs fans who don't care about Taylor Swift and her relationship with Travis Kelsey and her coming to Chiefs games. I would also say you're probably right when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs fan base. There is probably a good chunk of the Kansas City Chiefs fan base that looks at this situation and says, I don't really care about Taylor Swift. I don't really care about who Travis Kelsey is dating. So on the surface, I think your comments are 100% correct. Once you get below the surface, though, Gronk, nothing is going to change. Taylor Swift is a marketing machine. Look at what her relationship with Travis Kelsey has done for the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs over the last three to four weeks. It is beyond tangible. It's not one of those things where you're just sitting here making a hypothesis or an inference as to the impact that she has had. No, the proof is in the numbers. The proof is in the ratings for these Kansas City Chiefs games that she is announced she's attending. The proof is in the jersey sales for Travis Kelsey. 
she moves the needle. And NBC, when they're hosting the game or whatever other network, depending on whether it's a primetime game or just a normally scheduled game, uh, CBS, if they're covering a 4 o'clock game, whoever is involved network-wise with these Kansas City Chiefs football games, they are going to lean into this 100%. Why? Because Taylor Swift is money. And the NFL is a business. And they are in the business of making money. So you can sit here and say all you want that casual NFL fans or NFL fans who are not Kansas City Chiefs fans don't give a rip about Taylor Swift. And you're probably right. And you can even sit here and say that a good chunk of Kansas City Chief fans are getting a little tired of Taylor Swift. And you know what? You might still be right. But at the end of the day, none of that is going to change. Because nobody involved in this situation is going to shy away from the Taylor Swift bandwagon when it's bringing in millions of new viewers to the sport when it's bringing in millions of new revenue to the sport, that's where we are. So you can say you don't like it, and you can say other people may not like it as well, and you might be right, but don't think it's going to change anytime soon because the league is a business, and Taylor Swift is money, and they are going to continue to ride that Taylor Swift train because I'll tell you right now, Nobody is turning off Kansas City Chiefs games because they cut to Taylor Swift 15 times during the game. If you are tuning in to watch a Kansas City Chiefs football game, you may sit there and say you're tired of seeing Taylor Swift, but you're not turning off the game. And in fact, more people are tuning into the game because they're cutting to Taylor Swift 15 times during the game. So you can be upset about it. You can say we don't want to see it. You can say that the focus needs to be more on the players, but nothing is going to change as long as Taylor Swift continues to have the positive financial impact that she is currently having on everything she touches related to the NFL. And it's okay to be mad, but at the end of the day, business is business and Taylor is good business for the National Football League. All right, two more things before we get out of here today. The first of which the NBA has announced that they are going back to the old all-star game format. That being a situation where it is the East versus the West, they are going to step away from the captain business they have been doing for the past handful of seasons. And for me, not being the the biggest NBA guy out there. I'm sure Mo will have a a bigger opinion on this than I do, but I'm all for it. I am all for it. I thought the captain stuff in the NBA as a casual NBA fan, I thought it was interesting the first couple of times they did it. But again, for me, when it comes to an all-star game, I look at it and I say to myself, am I going to watch the actual all-star game itself? And when they were doing the captain thing, I was intrigued. I watched the first couple of uh, like the live drafts they did where the, the captains were picking the teams. And I think I also watched the first couple of all-star games when they did that. 
But then I realized it, it was the same stuff. It was the same end products as far as the NBA All-Star game is concerned. And I, I stopped caring again. And as the whole captain picking, all-star picking process has become a little more convoluted over the past couple of seasons, I stopped caring even more. Going back to the more traditional East versus West, is it going to bring me to the all-star game? Probably not. Uh, am I going to make it a point to see who made the all-star game? Now that's more of a traditional situation. Yeah, I probably will. But at the end of the day, the NBA all-star game is not bringing in numbers. It isn't must-see TV. I think that they're trying to figure out ways to get back potentially to that. And this might be the first baby step in the right direction, but I think it has a long way to go. So I like the move because I think it could open the door for big, more, more changes to come that would benefit the all-star game as a whole. But as a whole, I, I don't foresee the all-star game ever being in you know the 2020s, what it was back in the nineties. So Good job by the NBA for acknowledging that maybe the whole captain thing has run its course and going back to something a little more traditional. But aside from that, I don't think it's really going to move the needle in any meaningful sort of way. And that brings us to Thursday night football. JG and I talked about this a little bit earlier on the show, but we got the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. The Bucks are three and three. And they are right in the mix for their division over in the NFC. If you take a look at the NFC South going into this week, the Falcons lead the division at four and three. The Bucks are right behind them at three and three. The Saints are three and four. And then the Panthers are 0 and six on the bottom. But when you're looking at the Falcons, the Bucks, the Saints, those three teams are right in the mix. So Tampa Bay is a contender in their division. They may not be a contender for winning a Super Bowl or getting to a Super Bowl, but they are a contender in the NFC South, NFC South, excuse me, and that matters. When you're looking at the Buffalo Bills on the flip side of things, Buffalo is sitting second in their division behind the Dolphins. And after Miami lost to the Eagles, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're going glass half full, you are okay with your situation. You're a game behind the Dolphins. The Dolphins already lost to you. And the Dolphins are coming off a loss to another potential playoff team. And if you're a Buffalo fan, you view yourself as a playoff team. So if you're a Buffalo, you're looking at it like, hey, let's go take care of business tonight on Thursday Night Football. The Dolphins have the Chiefs coming up in a couple of weeks. If the Dolphins beat the Patriots this weekend, maybe they lose to the Chiefs in two weeks. That's another potential playoff team that they're facing. They haven't beaten one of those yet. If the Dolphins lose to the Chiefs and we handle our business for the next two weeks, boom, we're back in first place. That's the glass half full approach if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. And that's not an illogical place to be. However, we can take another realistic approach and we can look at this and say, look at the Jets who are three and three. The Jets are coming up on a stretch of five or six games that are very winnable for them. Buffalo hasn't played a really great football game since they beat Miami about a month ago. And if you're the Bills, you need this win tonight. You cannot go to four and four 
in a situation where, let's be honest, the Dolphins have already beat the Patriots this season. They did it up in Foxborough. So the Dolphins should be able to handle they, – they could lose to the Patriots. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a slam dunk. But I think the expectation is the Dolphins are going to handle business at home against the Patriots, especially after coming off of a disappointing loss against the Eagles. The Jets could potentially win this week. They're playing a very winnable game, I believe it's against the New York Giants. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that coming out of this week, the Dolphins are 6-2, and two, the Jets are 4-3, and three, and now the Buffalo Bills are 4-4 four and four, and third place in the division. And that is not a spot Buffalo wants to be in. Buffalo cannot fall behind the New York Jets and now be looking up at not only the Dolphins, but the New York Jets as well. Buffalo has to start putting wins together against teams on their schedule that they should be beating. And I take nothing away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know I just said that they're a contender to win their division, and I truly do believe that. But on paper, they're not as good as Buffalo. And this game is home. This is a home game tonight for the Buffalo Bills. So you're playing at home. I know it's Thursday night football. I know it's a short week, and it's always questionable which team's going to come out slow on a short week because it always seems like one right it always seems like one team comes out kind of iffy on these short weeks and if you're the bills that can't be you tonight at home you need to take care of the buccaneers you need to get yourself two five and three because next week you go to cincinnati and you do not want to lose to the Buccaneers tonight, fall a four and four, and then be going to Cincinnati in a situation in primetime football where you might be falling under 500. That cannot happen. Because after you play the Bengals, you get a cakewalk in the Broncos. And I don't think that any version of this Buffalo team is going to lose to the Broncos at home. But after that, things start to get serious for you. After that, you play the Jets again. The Jets already beat you. After that, you play the Eagles. That's a Super Bowl contender right there. After that, you play the Chiefs. After that, you play the Cowboys. Those are four big games. Those are four big games right there coming up on your schedule. And if we throw the Bengals in there, that means five of your next six games are pretty darn big. You need to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And you are supposed to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially if you are at home. Even if you were in Tampa, I would still say you need to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But especially at home, Buffalo, you need to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. And the key to tonight's game, it it really is how the Buffalo Bills start. If you look at their last three games, they started slow against all three of them. They started slow against Jacksonville over the pond. They started slow against the New York Giants, and they started slow last week against the New England Patriots. The Bills need to come out, and this is part uh, Ken Dorsey, play caller uh, for the Buffalo Bills, and this is part Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. You need to come out, and you need to hit some layups early. You need to come out, and you need to find your best five or six plays, and you need to run them on your first and second drives, and you need to get points on the board. 
touchdown and a field goal at least. Your first two drives tonight need to be points. You cannot have three and outs in there. You cannot have seven or eight play drives where you go for it on fourth and short and don't get it. You need to put points on the board, both of your drives early, even if it's two field goals. You need to put points on the board consistently, especially against a team like the Buccaneers, who you shouldn't have a ton of struggles moving the football against. If you can do that early, if you can put some points up early, you can take advantage of your defense. You can take advantage of the home field advantage. The Buffalo fans are going to be crazy tonight. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. It is a primetime game. Even though it's a Thursday night game, Buffalo fans are going to show up like they always do for home games. You can rattle Baker Mayfield easily if you're putting points on the board and you're making Baker and Tampa Bay feel like they need to start matching what you're doing. It's a different situation when you're not putting points on the board and it's a continuously close game. You get up 10-0 midway through or towards the end of the first quarter, and now Baker and the Bucks are chasing two scores, and they got to start putting the ball in the air a little more. They got to start doing some things they're not comfortable with to catch up with you. Now it's the game you want. Now it's the situation that you want. Now you're, we're going to see some Baker turnovers. That's what Buffalo needs to do tonight. What Buffalo cannot do is Buffalo cannot come out of that first quarter with no points. Buffalo cannot come out of that first quarter trailing 7-3. to three. That cannot be what happens tonight. It cannot be another slow start for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen, you know, I've given you praise in the past because you are the guy that comes to the podium when you don't play well and you say stuff like, it's on me. I played like, Last night or tonight, I need to play better. But there comes a point, Josh Allen, when I don't care anymore. It's great that you're taking accountability, but there comes a point where you need to go out and just play better. There comes a point where you need to stop making the foolish plays that are potentially hurting your team from getting to where you need to be. Tonight is a chance to reset for the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo goes out tonight and wins this game 28-10. to 10. And this game was never really in doubt because Buffalo scored a touchdown on their first possession. They scored a field goal on their second possession. Before you knew it, it was 17-0 Buffalo midway through the second quarter. And this game was never in doubt from the get-go. That's what you need. That's what you need heading into a big matchup next week against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's what you need in a division where you're currently trailing the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets are coming up behind you, and it looks like it's going to be a three-team race pushing into the middle and the uh, second half of the season, you need to start finding solid ground. Because right now you're not on solid ground. And the last place you want Josh Allen, who is known for being inconsistent, who has a diva wide receiver, who is known for throwing temper tantrums, the last place you want to find yourself is on shaky ground. Now, despite all that, I'm not taking Buffalo tonight. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mostly because I don't like the Buffalo Bills. Do I think Tampa Bay has a puncher's chance of winning tonight? Absolutely. Do I think Buffalo should win this game? Absolutely. Do I think that Buffalo is going to win this game? Absolutely. 
But I also thought that Buffalo was going to beat Jacksonville. And I also, even though I picked Jacksonville to win, in my mind, I thought Buffalo was going to find a way to win that game. I thought Buffalo was going to roll over the Giants after what they after the loss in Jacksonville. Didn't do it. I thought Buffalo was going to continue to own the New England Patriots last week. Didn't do it. So Buffalo might win tonight. But I'm going to go with Tampa because Buffalo has not done enough in the past three weeks to show me that they deserve to be picked in situations where on paper they should easily be a 10 to 12 point favorite. Buffalo might pull it out tonight and who knows, they might roll. It might be a 42 to 10 kind of game, but let's see it first because after the last month of Buffalo bills football, I think we've reached a point where we need Buffalo to actually do it and not just have the potential to do it. So we'll see what Buffalo does tonight. And if you're Tampa Bay, Let's be honest. You look at this game and you say, Buffalo is a better team than us. Buffalo, if everything goes like it should for the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo is going to be a very hard team to beat, and we probably cannot beat them. But if you're Tampa Bay tonight, you don't need to beat Buffalo. Buffalo needs to beat you. Because if Tampa Bay falls to three and four, you're still in the thick of your division. You still play those teams in your division more times this season. You still play less than teams in the NFC. You're going to be fine. You don't need this Buffalo victory for the rest of your season to still go like it potentially might go. Buffalo, on the other hand, has a hard game coming up next weekend with Cincinnati. Buffalo, on the other hand, has four games after Cincinnati, assuming they beat Denver, that are going to be very challenging games for them. Games on paper where some of them, they may not even be favored to win. They won't be favored to beat the Eagles. They won't be. They may not be favored to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's very, there's a very big potential that after the Denver game, Buffalo is not favored in two of their next four games. You need to be playing good football when you hit that stretch. You do not want to fall into that stretch of games playing bad football because the end result is not going to be good for the Buffalo Bills or your playoff hopes, especially when the New York Jets are doing what they're doing. The New York Jets, their next six games, they're winnable. And they're going to be favored in some of those games. Buffalo needs to get their act together, and it needs to start tonight at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Shout out to everyone who was in the chat this morning. Appreciate all of you. Chase was there. Linda was there. Key was there. Gene was there. Love having people in the chat. Love hearing your thoughts about what's happening every morning here on the morning show. Mo should be back with us tomorrow morning for our weekly football picks. So excited to have that happen. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you for joining us here this morning on Coffee and Sports. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Same time same place. It's the morning show. It's coffee and sports here on Sports Empire Network. We will see you same time, same place tomorrow. Come join us. Come hear what the NFL picks are. Come tell me what your NFL picks are tomorrow. But that's it. I'm out of here today. My voice is getting a little scratchy. It's a lot of damn talking around here when I've got my partner in crime with me. I will see you same time, same place tomorrow. See you then.
I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about the team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn, hey.